My name is Anthony P. Richards. I'm a pastor and I started this podcast channel to equip, encourage, inspire and challenge you to passionately live to your potential in Christ through the Word of God. For more information, you can go to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Welcome to another day as we continue our journey through the Word of God. And today we are continuing our journey through the Gospel of Matthew and the chapter 24 of that Gospel chapter. And as I mentioned at the beginning of Matthew 24, verse 1, this is really a chapter that must be looked at uh, on the whole from the beginning to the last verse in order for it all to make sense and for you to understand it. So we are, I'm just breaking it down into bite-sized chunks so that you can go through and watch these again and continue to understand what Jesus is talking about. So let's get on straight into chapter 9. We're going to be, uh, verse 9, sorry, we're going to look at verse 9 to verse 20 in this particular video. So here we have Jesus previously talked about the beginning of sorrows. Then in verse 9 he says, Then, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. In the period after Jesus ascends to heaven and before he comes again, his disciples should expect to be persecuted, which includes us. And persecution then can lead believers and disciples to believe the end is near. But this is also not just the only specific sign of Jesus' return. Now, what did Jesus say? He said, what's going to happen? People will betray one another. Spurgeon said this, persecution would reveal the traitors within the church as well as the enemies from without. False prophets will arrive, rise and deceive many. In the period after Jesus ascended to heaven, and before he comes again, the disciples and of us, of Jesus, which includes us, we're going to see a lot of false prophets. And, and they're going to succeed. And it's going to be frustrating to watch because we will know that they will not be speaking the truth. But there are false prophets who are also not just specific signs of Jesus' return. Many will be deceived. Spurgeon said this, Alas, that such teachers would have any disciples. It is doubly sad that they should be able to lead astray many. Yet, when it so happens, let us remember that the king said it would be so. Lawlessness will abound. Love of many will grow cold. In the period after Jesus ascends, before he comes again, his disciples should expect to see Society and culture become worse and worse. But it's also not the specific sign of his return. Spurgeon said this, If the heart grows cold, everything will be coldly done. When love declines, what cold preaching we have. 
All moonlight light without heat, polished like marble and as chill. What cold singing we get, pretty music made by pipes and wind, but oh, how little soul song. How little singing in the Holy Spirit, making melody in the heart unto God. And what poor praying. Do you call it praying? What little giving. When the heart is cold, the hands can find nothing in the purse. And Christ's church and Christ's poor and the heathen may perish. For we must needs hoard up for ourselves and live to grow rich. Is there anything that goes on as it ought to go when love waxes cold? Then Jesus says these words, the gospel, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the world, all the world, as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. So Jesus promised that by the time he comes back, not just for his church, but when he comes back for his people at the end of the tribulation, by that time, everybody will have had an opportunity to witness and hear the gospel message. No persecution can stop it. No false prophet can stop it. No degradation of society or culture can stop it. Nor can it stop the spread of the gospel message. Then the end will come. The church is to take this seriously as our duty until the church is caught up in the air and raptured. First Thessalonians chapter 4. If you've not had a chance to watch my video on that, please watch it on that before you make any comments of it. Um, and again, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of, uh, of my first video on Matthew 24, this is my studied approach. This is what I believe to be rightly dividing the word of truth, but I encourage you to do your own research and your own study as well. The church must take seriously the great commission of Jesus Christ, which will come at the end of Matthew 28, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But we also know that we have verses like Romans chapter 1, verse 20, that tells us that God reveals himself in his creation so that none can have an excuse that they've never heard the gospel message. So this gospel of the kingdom must be preached, but the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ is revealed in his handiwork. The gospel of the kingdom is the gospel that Jesus has talked about when he, he said all these parables in Matthew, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. This is the gospel that he's talking about when he says this gospel of the kingdom. So what does that mean? That means that the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus was talking about to the Jewish people, the kingdom of heaven. Remember, Jesus talked about the, the, this gospel of the heaven, of the kingdom, and he talked about the, the wedding feast when people were invited and they were rejected. And they said, no, I don't want to come. These are the things that Jesus is talking about in this verse. And there's a lot in there. Now, God assured that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations. So we can we know it's going to happen. In Revelation chapter 14, the Bible says, I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel 
to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. Let's move on to verse 15. I think before we move on, let me just say that no matter what interpretation we have of that of, of verse 14, it is the job of the church to preach the gospel to as many places as possible, as quickly as possible, with haste, with a sense of urgency, with a sense of desperation that we need to get this message to as many people as possible. Why? Because we should want the church that's going to be raptured when Jesus come back to have as many people in it as possible. And that's only going to happen through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So I don't want it. We should never come up with any philosophy that leads us to a lack of urgency for spreading the gospel message. Verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, and remember, whenever you see the word therefore, you have to look as why it's what it's there for, and it's therefore what we've just been speaking about in the previous verses. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, and he quotes there a quote from the book of Daniel in chapter 11. The abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. Whoever reads, let him understand. Now, this is important because essentially the abomination of desolation speaks of the ultimate desecration of a Jewish temple. And it also speaks of the establishment of an idolatrous image being placed in the holy place itself which is going to inevitably result in the judgment of God. That's the abomination that will bring desolation. Now, in the vocabulary of Judaism at the time, an abomination was an especially offensive form of idolatry. Uh, Jesus described here a very gross form of idolatry something that would be standing in the holy place, the holy of holies, and there instead of what was meant to be there, there is an idol, a false idol, that is going to bring with it great destruction and desolation. Standing in the holy place means that the abomination of desolation takes place in the Jewish temple. Now, this is the only plain meaning that can be determined of the phrase holy place. And I believe it will happen in the holy of holies of a rebuilt temple. Now, we have to remember that for 2,000 years, there has been a very small Jewish presence in Judea and Jerusalem. It was continuous it was definite, but it was very small. And it really, for 2,000 years, was unthinkable that this tiny little group of people living in this desolate place could ever rebuild a magnificent temple, which is why the fulfillment of this prophecy was highly unlikely until 1948, which is when Israel was declared a nation the restoration of the nation of Israel, 1948, is a remarkable event in the fulfillment of prophecy, but also 
marking the future fulfillment of prophecy. And those people who believe that the events of Matthew 24 were all or mostly fulfilled in AD 70 do have a difficulty here because there isn't any good evidence that what they believe was the abomination of desolation, which was the Roman armies and, and, and their soldiers who destroyed the temple in AD 70. There's no evidence that they set up an idolatrous image in the Holy of Holies before they destroyed it. The temple was destroyed before the Romans even entered it. Now, Jesus said, as spoken of by Daniel the prophet, the mention of the abomination of desolation is taken from the book of Daniel, chapter 11, verse 31. They shall defile the sanctuary fortress, then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. So Jesus here is quoting from Daniel. And it describes this abomination of desolation a complete desecration of the temple. Now, that has been tried a few times. Uh, There was a Greek king by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes, and around uh, 164 BC, uh, he tried to destroy and and totally uh, desolate the temple, but he was stopped by a Maccabean revolt, and it didn't happen. Now, Paul elaborates on the future fulfillment of the abomination of desolation. In other words, it's going to happen in the future in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. This is what Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4. That day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. This is what the Antichrist will do during the great tribulation. There will come a time when he will reveal himself, he'll be revealed and he will set himself up in the temple to be worshipped. Carson, the discourse itself is undoubtedly a source. What is the discourse that he's talking about? About Jesus talking about the abomination of desolation. It is undoubtedly a source for the Thessalonian epistles written by Paul. And we may say that Jesus himself sets the pattern for the church's eschatology and our teaching on end times. That was Carson, D.A. Carson said that. Then we have Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 gives us some additional insight into Daniel chapter 11. Chapter 11. Let me read it. From the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days until the end, three and a half years. When this sign is set up, that's when the end will and can be determined. Almost three and a half years to go until the end of all things that Jesus spoke of. So, to try and put it simply, we have Jesus coming back for his church, the rapture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Starts a seven-year period. Halfway through that seven-year period, the Antichrist will be revealed. He will set himself up in the temple, the rebuilt temple, and to be worshipped, and then the abomination of desolation shall take place. David Guzik says this, 
The approach that sees this chapter as all or mostly all fulfilled in AD 70 is completely inadequate in its supposed fulfillment of the abomination of desolation. When we understand the importance of what is said about this event, the abomination of desolation, we must give priority to this event even more than just the easiest interpretation of Matthew 24 verse 34. It is the critical sign mentioned in Matthew 24. It is the warning to flee mentioned in Matthew 24. It is the sign of the consummation of all things talked about in Daniel 9.27. It is the sign foreshadowed by the Greek king Antiochus Epiphanes in Daniel 11.31. It is the precise marker of days to the end in Daniel 12 verse 11. It is the revelation of the man of sin in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 3 and 4. And it is the image of the beast in Revelation chapter 13 verses 14 and 15. So, taking all these passages in their most plain meaning, the abomination of desolation cannot be the Roman armies or their soldiers that they marched under. It cannot be totalitarian governments or any other conjecture, as David Guzik puts it. The abomination of desolation must be some kind of image of the Antichrist set up in an actual temple and is the decisive sign for the end. This means that for the most part, Jesus' predictions in Matthew 24 have not yet been fulfilled. So what you could say is that the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in AD 70 was a foreshadowing fulfillment. Even as the partial destruction by the Greek king Antiochus Epiphanes in 164 BC was a foreshadowing of the ultimate abomination of desolation. Then Matthew says, whoever reads, let him understand. Here we are directed again to the central place of our understanding, the abomination of desolation. It's almost as if Matthew said, listen, don't, whatever you do, don't miss this. If you don't understand this, you're not going to understand a whole lot of other things. And this is very much the error of many who, with very good intentions, misunderstand the plain meaning of the abomination of des desolation. Let him understand. Okay, let's move on to verse 16. Matthew 24, verse 16. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. Let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. These warnings are specifically addressed to the Jewish people, to the Israelites, Judea, housetops, Sabbath. They all speak to the Jewish culture. In light of the broader context of this chapter, these words of Jesus should be ha understood as having primary application to those who see 
the abomination of desolation in the last days in the tribulation. Events that are yet to occur. So this is what Jesus is saying to those who don't get raptured, find themselves in the tribulation. Three and a half years later, they find the revelation they find of the, the Antichrist. They find themselves at a time when the abomination of desolation is, is, is upon them. Jesus is saying, in, if you find yourself in that time, flee. Get out of, get out of, get out of here. And, 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 and just, you know, wow. Um, I mean, when you read what, what is, he says, woe to those who are pregnant. He's just saying, hey, listen, it, it's going to be tough if you find yourself in those days. I don't believe the church is going to be, be, be here for those days. I believe that the church will be raptured and that those who have professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, uh, will be caught up. And there's no doubt that in some ways the horrible things that came upon Jerusalem in AD 70 was a prefiguring of a future event. Uh, a foreshadowing of an ultimate fulfillment. And, and it is for this reason that virtually all the Christians who fled Jerusalem and Judea in the years leading up to AD 70, when the Roman arm armies arrived in the area, intent on putting down the Jewish rebellion in the Roman province here. That's why they fled. Now, here's another reason why he said, then let those who are in Judea, Judea flee. Because at the appearance of the abomination of desolation, the desolation is going to start out by being poured out in Judea. And because the church is not going to be a factor, all the Christians are gone. They've already been caught up in the air. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 17. So that means that the people who are alive when this is happening will be in a time where Jesus says, you will be in a, you, you will know you've got a seven year period and you've got to make it to the end or die for my name's sake. Jesus told his disciples about the abomination of desolation, which is going to be set up by the Antichrist in the middle of the great tribulation. And he warned them of this coming destruction in the Great Tribulation. And some Christians believe that all Christians are going to go through the Great Tribulation. It seems evident. Why would Jesus say these things to his disciples if his disciples would not experience them? Experience them. And I believe the answer is simple as to why we won't be here for the, the Great Tribulation. Because we know from this passage and other passages that God will remove his church before the fury and the fire of the great tribulation, catching them away to meet Jesus in the air, First Thessalonians chapter 4. But it's information we need to know. It's valuable for us as followers of Jesus Christ so that we can understand God's plan for the future. It's information that's especially valuable for those who are going to become disciples in that tribulation period. After the church is gone. Listen, I believe that when the church is caught away, there will be people who will immediately say they were right. 
all the people I know who are Christians gone. It must be right. I've got to give my life to Jesus. Somebody get me a Bible. Some, I, I, how do I make it through? How do I make it through? They, they are going to need to read this and work out how they need to get through. And we do very well to remember that the disciples who heard Jesus say these words saw none of these things take place, but it was good for them to hear it. And even if Christians don't go into the great tribulation, it's great for us to know it and to hear it. And for those who will become Christians in the great tribulation to know what's going to happen to them during that time. Why? Because Jesus is speaking when he's speaking here in Matthew 24 to all the ages, all of them. So we're going to leave it there and then we'll pick up again in verse 21. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day. Thank you.